This is Mark Anderson from Legend Gray, and you are listening to Rocket Night. This is Sharice with Rocket Night, and today we are speaking with Mark Anderson of rock band Letch and Gray. We're going to talk to him about the history because the band actually was formed in the well mid 1980s, and they were a staple in the Sunset Strip scene back then. And they took a little hiatus. Now they're back. And that's what we want to talk about, your new music and the hiatus. And I want to hear about the Sunset Strip. I have a lot of questions for you. Let's go. Mark, it's really unique that we have a band that started essentially 40 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking two generations almost. And then you decide to come back and start making music again, recording music. That's unusual. Okay. <laughs> what, uh, one of the questions I have is, what was the impetus? What, what prompted the return after 40 years? Okay, so um, I was playing in, actually I live in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I was playing in some gospel churches with some really good musicians for over 10 years during that period. I also was kind of just doing my own thing, writing songs for other bands. I appeared on other people's projects that turned into albums sometimes. Um, I did some videos, you know, kind of solo stuff. And then Eric Acevo, the original bass player from the band, Mm -hmm. um, saw me play, I believe. And... I think I was playing a cover band. I was playing dive bars, you know, just like local bars, having fun and playing probably once a week and not giving anything much thought, you know, and then he saw me and he wanted to play with me again. And then one day we started just starting rehearsal with me, just, you know, throwing out a riff just to warm up. And then he would do something and then we'd rehearse again and we do the same thing. And, we kind of looked at each other and go, we should be writing some songs, you know? So it kind of was just organic, I guess. So just Nothing was playing, really planned. So just playing with your friend, you kind of got that bug again, that inspiration. Yeah, you know, I, I always kind of equate being a musician to like, imagine if you lived in a different country. Mm-hmm. And that language, that let's just say you're, you're in China. Right. And you're an English speaking person, but in China, Chinese is your second language. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to want to seek out people that actually speak your first language. And musicians, we have our own language. So I'm constantly hanging around, you know, musicians because, you know, we have that language about us and we like interact with each other that way. And then it just kind of goes from there every now and again. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. 
one thing that I'm really interested in is the changes between when you started Lechen Gray in the eighties and today, as far as recording, mm-hmm. uh, getting the word out, I mean, things have changed. What are yes. some of the things that you've had to deal with and what are things that you've noticed as far as the change goes? Well, I kind of, you know, there's, there's good and bad of everything. Progress goes on. And one of the really good things that kind of inspired me to write music again was the internet because nobody lives forever, but our music can live for at least live longer than I, if I write a really good song and sometimes it only takes one good song and you can live forever on the internet. It's almost like a fountain of youth. Yeah. Um, the internet has changed our lives completely. That's true. Even from a marketing standpoint, because I'm sure back in the sunset strip days, you probably put photocopies of your little posters on poles and stuff. How did, I mean, back then, tell us about how we used to get the word out back in the eighties. I lived in the eighties too. (laughs) Go ahead. Okay. It was, as you know, and you can see documentaries on it, but it was really fun and it was really cool to be like in your early 20s on the Sunset Strip with your band. And there was a whole scene with lots of girls and people would just have so much fun. And yes, we would advertise that way. And people would kind of give you like you could tell, like people call it hair metal. But the reality was, is it wasn't that we were trying to look feminine or we were trying to do this. It was kind of like a badge of honor. Like, I can't get a job at McDonald's or a gas station. I am in this for for real. That's what our hair kind of meant. So when they saw you, they knew that you were something different. And they go, well, he must be pretty good if he looks like that. And then you would, you know, kind of socially just interact with people and the word would get out. You'd play and then they'd see your poster on the on the on the uh, on the telephone pole. And there was a certain a few, you know, black and white publications that would advertise, you know, the, the troubadour and the whiskey and, you know, the different venues. And that's how it all went down. We'd hang out. I guess you've played at the Whiskey A Go-Go not long ago, correct? Yeah, we just did. It was pretty interesting because um, we played with some pretty good bands. We had like the 9.30 slot on a Saturday. Whiskey is interesting because it's on the Sunset Strip and you're allowed to go, come in and out of the venue. Mm-hmm. So if, the ba- if people don't like you, they could just go outside and hang out on the Strip and watch the cars go by and all the people and they hang out there and you know whatever and when we went on there was probably 15 maybe maybe 30 people in the club but as we started to play i guess the music was bleeding onto the street and they came into the venue we got a really good reception and at the end of the night i unbeknownst to me but people recognized who we were and i can't i i they had people had traveled to come see us and they had me signing, you know, album copies and things. So it was like, whoa, I didn't expect that. All I wanted was my guitar to stay in tune. Wow, what an honor. So they remembered uh, Party yeah. Politics. Did you play songs from the 80s from Party Politics and the I, new I, I did not. I, I basically put together some really cool material. I included 
Burn and Castaway, which is off of the, the, the new release or the previous release. And I'm in the studio right now recording five new songs that I think are taking it to the next level. I mean, I've, yeah, I really, at the time when we recorded Burn and Castaway and Rocks Off, it was, hey, we've got this stuff, this music, you know, let's just go record it. We really didn't even have a band name at the time. We really were just going to go in there. Eric and I were just going to record. Mm -hmm. And Alan Niven, the former Guns N' Roses manager mm -hmm. yeah. and producer and great white, and he's just legendary, just a great guy. Well, he went in there and he produced this, these three songs. And he just sat there and at the end of the recording session, he Googled the name Letch and Greg. And he goes, have you seen, you guys are like, people still are interacting and creating Facebook pages. And you've got like, I believe the Party Politics album had like, I don't know, thousands of YouTube views and the fans had posted stuff. I kind of knew about it the whole time, but I didn't really do too much interaction because it was very organic. It was all about the fans and they really... I mean, who am I? It's, it's their thing now, you know, it's on the internet. He goes, you know, you still have that sound. You, you've got a story here. What do you think about just going back out and, and doing this? Like, and I was like, are you kidding me? And he's like, no, you're the real deal. And this really shows it. I mean, you can see in the eighties and now it's 2021 or 22 and, you know, there's a lot of bands out there. And this is Alan speaking. I didn't give any of this any thought. But he basically said, you know, there's bands out there that are huge, like Guns N' Roses. They haven't written a good song in 30 years. They're still like, Welcome to the Jungle is from the mid-80s. You know, so, and you're still writing like this? So we went with it. And we got a little press. And we, we kind of said, wow. And then we got a really good reception from the press and we got some great reviews in classic rock magazine and it was just like wow this is something that I did not really see coming and I just feel really grateful that people are interested in the music and you know I don't know what else to say that's how it all happened so Alan did you know him back in the 80s or you just met him recently no I did know him back in the 80s he he produced he is the Stravinsky brothers. He produced party politics. He did it under a pseudo name. I don't think he cares that I say it now, but he did do that project under a pseudo name. It, what, what happened was, is he got entangled with uh, Guns N' Roses at the time, right at that, that particular time. And that band was a handful. You know, he had his handful. Great White was really coming up. Guns N' Roses was, you know, touring all over the place. We were this little band. We had sold 36,000 records, I believe, Party Politics did, which was a lot back in that day. Yeah. And we were in a lot of magazines. We were rated, you know, like the top 10 with Queensryche and Bon Jovi. And, you know, I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. This, this might happen, you know. But then the record company um, went bankrupt mm -hmm. and took the master's. Oh, man. And, and then, you know, and then we were this little band of just 20 year olds really didn't have a manager or anything. We had all this momentum. And then Alan went off with his bands. You know, he's got to make money and he's got 
these great bands he's working with and we were just kind of left alone didn't know what to do and then one of the one of the band members died suddenly of cancer and i was like oh my god i mean i'm really young at the time you know a lot of tragedies do you yeah. do you own the rights to your music because a lot of labels screwed over people and oh just, you know, do you own it i they they took it and basically what it we what happens is is some of the record companies are really cool they've they found me through facebook messenger and they created a couple of record deals like we would get they would print 500 copies and they would sell them and we would get a couple dollars a copy and they were selling them for $15 and they would sell 500 copies. Like they'd have a waiting list of it, but they were from Portugal and they were from Germany and they were from, you know, and then there was a lot of people in the, in the, I guess the Orient, like Japan and stuff, they were selling them without our, our knowledge or anything. And I just kind of looked at it like this, like, Hey, the music still lives, you yeah. know. Yeah, no. It, People are, are still interested, so I just kind of. Your story you know. is really unique, to be honest. And I mean, you have a legacy, but then it kind of disappeared, and now you're reviving it again. Um, during that time period, uh, I guess everybody just went their separate ways. And you still kind of dabbled in music, correct? Because you said other genres. Uh, what did you do between and for 40 years? <laughs> um, I finished, I went to college and I got married and I continued to play music the whole time. And I had really a great life, actually. And, you know, I've got, I've got a great, you know, great job, a great career you know, and all that. It's not like I'm, yeah, I'm a happy guy. Things turned out good. So, you know, I have no regrets. I wish things would have turned out other ways, but then, you know, that's life. Well, my motto is no regrets. And I think it's wonderful that you have picked up where you left off and you still have the inspiration. Like Alan said, the music is good. I mean, when you write the music, do you feel like you're, let's say, a 22-year-old in a body of a whatever, you know, your age now? Do you well, see, the thing is, is this. Is, that we, way? Right. But I, I've learned one thing. And I learned this. I could feel it when I was on the stage at the Whiskey. And when I, when I pick up my guitar, your spirit never ages. Your body ages a little bit, but not your spirit. You know, rock and roll is almost like if you get malaria. Just like we, we said, it's always in your blood. It's just something that's just natural to me. So and, yeah. it's the same. It's the same then. You feel yeah. in your head the way you approach music and your taste and obviously the sound. Yeah. You know, that's it's it's not really a cover. You are the real deal. You're just doing what you've always done. Yes. <laughs> <Very easy. laughs> what does what does Lechen Gray mean? It sounds like someone's name. I don't know what it means. Well, when we were <laughs> when we were thinking of a name back in the day, somebody I thought or we thought we were listening to Jethro Tull, and I think the song was Aqualung. Yeah. 
Yes. And I think there's a lyric that says something like that. And we thought he was saying this word and we were like, just kind of, I, we weren't even thinking it as, as for a band name, but we were like, what did he just say there? And somebody said, I think he just said, I'd rather be a leching gray or something. And I kind of put that, we kind of put that away and we go, Hey, that's kind of cool because it's kind of a made up, it is a made up word and it is pretty recognizable. I mean, you know, you can remember it and it's kind of got that mystique to it. So it has all those elements of a good rock and roll band name. That makes me think about how people mishear lyrics all the time. Yeah. And we, who knows what they were actually saying, but it right. sounded like Lech and Gray. It has a nice ring to it, actually. Thank you. Yeah, it's and, pretty cool. And we did that purposely in the, in the song Burn. I don't know if you notice in the bridge of the break, we used the word magnetic, Cali active. And we purposely threw that in there because magnetic Cali active doesn't really say anything, but we are from California. LA is kind of like a magnet and it attracts people. So we just kind of use that wordplay a little bit too, because we understand what you just said. Burn, it's funny. I was reading that, I guess you're actually talking about Los Angeles and the plight of the homeless. But to me, I also think of all the, the fires that go on. I That's, mean, California is full of fires. That was, that was my original inspiration. Ah, okay. Well, now we have the cyclone bomb and we have earthquakes. And yeah. Fires and mudslides. I, I often wonder, geez, how do you guys deal with all that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say, but yeah, it's different for sure. Yeah. You got to just keep your head on a swivel. It's funny because I meet people from other parts of the country, you know, like, like we have this fantastic singer. His name is Bradley Mangrum and he's from Louisiana and he's Creole, right? And they're pretty tough people down in Louisiana, you know, down in the bayou guy's got an amazing voice and i just found out you know we were just talking he's got a very interesting name mangrum he's his relative is jim dandy from black oak, oak arkansas oh my goodness i know and i can't wait for listeners to hear his voice and how just i mean i'll be honest with you i play pretty good i you know i can write a song or two but I think people, when you see this guy, I think the people, he's got that voice that people would pay to see him sing. I mean, that's what I, when I first heard him, I was like, wow, dude, it's amazing. So that's kind of what's in the future. And I can't speak enough about the, the people I play with. I feel kind of awkward sitting here all by myself because it's really just not about me, you know? So there's quite a, quite a lineage between everybody in history, it seems. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, if uh, Black Oak, Arkansas has ties to him, I mean, that's classic. <laughs> yeah, but Bradley's probably, he's not, I don't think he's 40 years old. I think he's in his mid-30s. Oh, young. Yeah, so, and he's a really good-looking, charismatic, but I was watching some videos this morning of Black Oak, Arkansas, and Jim Dandy, and I was like, Dandy to the oh, rescue. I, I can see a little bit of him <laughs> in it, you know? So yeah, things evolve and that's the beauty of life and the beauty of music. I have a question since I, I don't get to meet people very often that 
were they were on this you know lived during that time period okay that strip Gazaris. did you yeah. guys ever play there yeah you did yeah i mean that's uh, infamous because of the, the the films you know decline of western civilization uh-huh. do you talk about it or just yeah so so i okay so the unique thing about Gazaris and the starwood was that Nowadays, you have to be 21 to get into the whiskey and the troubadour. Back in those days, you didn't. So let's let's speak about Gazaris or the Starwood. So back in the 70s, when I didn't even have a driver's license, I would go to Hollywood. I think I had my mom like drive me or something because I heard about Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And I lived 20 miles from, along the beach from, from Hollywood. But we could go as kids. I mean, and go see bands like Van Halen. And we I saw Rat. I saw all those bands in their formative years. And it was cool. They just kind of separated the, the people that couldn't go to the bar. They give you a wristband or something like that. And I kind of miss that because that's when you're really kind of getting into rock. It's like when you're 15 years old, you know. And nowadays, you're playing in front of an audience that is 21 and above. So the music was loud. It was just like you see, and it was it was raw. I mean, you had Quiet Riot. You had all these cool bands that are legendary, but at the time, nobody knew they were going to be legendary. You know, I remember seeing Randy Rhodes and all the polka dots and Edward Van Halen, just remembering, just seeing them, and David Lee Roth and, and seeing, you know, Kiss from Gene Simmons being up on the balcony, you know, and watching these bands and we were young and we'd bring our girlfriends and it was just, a, it was fun. So that was just normal to you. Who would know that that would be history? You know what I mean? That was I a know. unique time period and a unique location and you got to live there. I know. And I don't think there were 50 people at that Van Halen show, or maybe 75, a hundred, you know, <laughs> And I remember, I remember specifically because they, and that's where the look came in. I remember seeing dyed black hair for like the first time in my life, you know, and Blackie Lawless walked in, you know, and he was wearing heels that were super tall. And it was like, just knew the dude was something, you know what I mean? Well, back in the 80s too, uh, the glam rock, big hair bands, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. Guys wore women's clothing and the, everything was about the hair and the clothing and the guy liner makeup and everything. Letch and Gray, did they, did you guys do all that too? The, the eyeliner and the... You know what? Some, I, I, you know, we weren't really that much into it, but every now and again, I think we played a lot of gigs. So I can't remember. I can remember doing things like taking a um, a muscle T-shirt, you know, just a regular tank top T-shirt that you would wear. You know, they're kind of tight. And I remember not knowing what to wear that night. I would just stick my I stuck my hand in paint and just put handprints on my, you know what I mean? And then you do your hair up so you look good like anybody else does, you know, going out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We all started doing that. <laughs> and sometimes your girlfriend would, a, a girlfriend would go, hey, let me do your eyes, you know what I mean, or something. Exactly. Or whatever. 
it was just kind of funny though you know we were just doing it just like not even thinking about it but sometimes a girl would get like i think it was like a little pencil or something yeah you make it kind of smoky looking or yeah like they did that. that kind of stuff once in a while but it wasn't something that we did it was yeah. just like some girl in the dressing room would just hey let me do your eyes so that's how it got started. <laughs> People used to rip up their t-shirts. And did you get to see punk bands and stuff like that too? Yeah, I remember seeing a few of the punk bands. And I'll never forget, you know, my first my my biggest impression was somebody stabbing me in the ass with a with a uh with a clothes, I mean a, a pin. And I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> You know, because they were like different, you know what I mean? And they definitely had their own style and they had everything. But it was cool. Yeah, they were, it was like no, nobody was fighting or anything. They were just, that's just the way they interacted with people, I guess. Did you see crowd surfing and all that? Um, yeah. Pogo dancing. I mean, all the stereotypical. Oh, yeah. It was just like that. Wow. I mean, I, at the time period in the 80s, I was living in Florida. I'm from, De I'm from Detroit originally. I would have given my eye teeth. That's why I'm asking. I would have oh, okay. given my eye teeth to have been there in California at that time period. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, if you, you know, like it was not uncommon to see Brett Michaels, Poison, and the guys of Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue. Motley Crue yeah. You know, they were just all there walking around. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was that that was their home. There was their stomping grounds. Wow, that's you so know Nikki. Yeah, Nikki and I were friends. You know, also. So I was hanging out with him, and I guess if you work at a bank, you hang out with bankers. If you're a musician, we all hung out together. You know. Did you keep in contact with these people through the years, or just out of curiosity? Um, some of them, yes. Mostly, like I have. I text Jack Russell every now and again. I did see Nikki Six recently, a few years back with his band, 6AM. Um, Bobby Blotzer, uh, the drummer for Rat. Um, I talk sometimes. I've interacted a little bit with Don Dawkin, um, mostly through Alan with Don, because Alan will play him songs, or Don, I think, is just writing an album. So he'll throw the ideas at Alan and then they'll I'll, alan will call me and say hey i was just on the phone with don he tells you this and this and that what do you think and you know that kind of thing so it's kind of a, a little bit of a circle but you know like people kind of moved away a little bit too after the grunge thing really kind of affected a lot of the scene yeah the whole Seattle. it all moved north seattle yeah <laughs> yeah i want to ask you about your new music and like, will it be a full album? Tell me about what's coming up this year. Okay, so right um, right now we have recorded four songs. They are the drums are done, the bass is drawn done, the the scratch vocal. Bradley did a great job. I don't know. So what's going to happen is I did a, a guitar track just to keep a placeholder, so that you know these these um computer programs they you could plug into an amplifier on the computer so tonight i'm going to go in there and rip through the four songs give it a little bit of a mix send it to alan he's going to produce it we've got he i think this is going to take it to the next level to be honest with you i mean they're very very catchy songs but they're very much in the line of castaway and and burn but it's a little bit 
I hate to say it, but it, I think it's really good. We've got a, a song called Light Me Up. We've got a song called Dead Man Walk. And the reason I wrote that song is because when they did a little article, like you're asking me about the past and what happened and this, and that they gave us a three page article. I don't know if anybody's seen Classic Rock magazine, but it I is. I actually saw the article and I, I do read Classic Rock because we, yeah, it's, we, we do a lot of, well, half of our writers are from the UK. Right. It's a, it's a, and I see the British flag behind you too. So yeah, it's very I, much in line with the magazine that, that, you, that you're doing right now also. And they, the title of it was Dead Man Walking. So I thought to myself, well, maybe I'll write a song about that. So we've got that in there and we've got um, a song called Rebel Child and we've also got a song called Broken String. So those are the four that we're working on. I'm going to get them there. Will it be an album? I have about 10 songs, but when it comes to time and money and all that, you know, we're not, we don't have a big record label or anything like that. But one of the nice things that I think that we've done is when you listen to the mix of like the previous music, it sounds like any other album that you would get. It, the quality is really good. Do you record analog or digital? Yes. Analog. So analog. in a sense, you haven't changed from your no. original. That's that's one thing I wanted to find out. A lot of the things have stayed the same then. Yes. As far as from the 1980s and now. And yes, exactly. Because that sound, that's that sound. And same amplifiers, the same guitars that you would have used back then. I used a guitar that I that. Izzy Stradlin, I believe, got in Japan a Fender Stratocaster. I still have it. It's beat to death because I've been playing it ever since the mid-80s. And I used it on all, all the tracks. It's the same guitar. That's interesting. So as far as original people, it's it's just you or is Rick back? Rick? Um, Eric? Eric, rather. Yeah. And, and I want to say that, that that guitar was given to me by Alan. I believe it was originally for Izzy. And then I don't know if he ever got it because by the time I, I touched it, I was like, I love this guitar. Alan goes, you could have it. And I was like, are you kidding? So that's the story with the guitar. Um, well, the question is Eric. Okay, Eric is a great friend of mine. And he was a little bit uh, confused about being called Letch and Gray again. He won, he has, a, he was in another couple of bands and where there were some scheduling conflicts. So basically what he did is he goes, he, we still write songs. He, he's got a co-writer on a couple of songs I just named and he's got a couple of other bands. If you look him up on Facebook, you, you know, you'll see all this stuff. He's amazing. He's talented, but we had some scheduling conflicts. So he just asked me, can you carry the torch on your own? And same with the other members of the band. And that's how it kind of went. Gotcha. So you're actually an original member and the drummer, the singer, and the bass player, they're, they're new. Yes. Okay. That's what I wanted to make sure. Is there anything that you would want people to know about Letch and Gray? You know what? If you, if you really, if you like rock and if you like, music that kind of makes you think a little bit but you recognize and kind of like gives you that cool vibe you know kind of gets you out of your seat type of thing i think you'll like us if you give us a listen hit us up on our website 
We love to, you know, hear your comments or whatever, but, and that's pretty much who we are. You know, we're just a rock band that tries to engage with the listener. Quick question before we say goodbye. Burn has a meaning, definitely. And do your new songs, do they have a meaning or a cause or whatever? Because I like, I like music with that's either protest music or something that talks about society. What about the new stuff? It, yes, they do. They do. Excellent. That's what they I like. Do. <laughs> they do. They'll make you think a little bit and it's all in it, up to the interpretation of the listener, but I, they'll be, I can't change who I am, you know, so they're going to be pretty much in line. You'll recognize that, uh, that same type of a style. I appreciate that because um, my background was, I was an activist for a long time. Cool. <laughs> I got into it now, but social causes are dear to my heart. I noticed that when I listened to Burn, I definitely picked up. I even thought of it being uh, climate change. You yeah. know, I mean, it has a lot of different meanings. That's, that's, Whereas, yeah. that's really good when you're an artist and people can interpret it. You know, because obviously I'm not there when they're listening to it, but once the music is released, it makes them think and they can relate it to anything that they want because the subject matter gets them thinking. Perfect. Okay. Thank you, Mark, so much for speaking with me. Nice meeting you. Thank you. Here is Lechen Gray Burn.
You're listening to Rock at Night. The introductory song, Get On Down, is from blues artist Billy, Billy Bass Alford. Look for his music at ReverbNation.com.